Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Bulldog fans everywhere. We are thrilled to be bringing all of you back to the Maroon Mike. I'm your co-host, Colton Watson. I'm your co-host, Lounge Dog. And as always, just thank you so much for listening. Uh, I know we don't do a good enough job appreciating our listeners on, on this show, but uh, there's not many of you, but the ones that are here, we cherish every single one of you, and thank you for that. Please feel free to uh, spread the word about the show and let, let other people know uh, what's going on. If you like it, and if you don't, feel free to reach out to us and tell us how we can improve. Uh, we take constructive criticism uh, probably better than most people, to be honest. I'm, uh we welcome it at every at every stage. So just let us know what we can improve on, and if you like what you see, just let the spread the word. You agree with that? Totally. Let me before we get started. Let me go ahead and my main chair squeaks, but it's more comfortable. I got to get to the more quieter chair so that uh, when I shift around, I'm not having a bunch of background noise. So let me do that. But. As you could have predicted today, we're going to talk about Memphis. Uh, going to preview what they the kind of looks that they're going to give the Bulldogs up in the Liberty Bowl there in Memphis, Tennessee. Lots of controversy already. Good-natured controversy, I should say. But already some kind of interesting points about that game. And we can kind of get into all that a little bit. I don't know if you've seen, but there's a big debate on whether or not cowbells are allowed. Yeah, I read something about that. It, it seems like on their website that on the Liberty Bowl website that artificial noisemakers. First of all, a cowbell is a real noisemaker, not an artificial one, which is my favorite joke. But artificial noisemakers that are approved or they're banned unless otherwise approved by a team or conference. Well, cowbells are approved by the Southeastern Conference, so by that standard, we should be allowed to bring cowbells. But then Memphis tweets out. First of all, the Liberty Bowl says big fat no when somebody asked them. And then the Memphis tweeted out no cowbells like explicitly just to just to get on everybody's nerves. Uh, what did you what did you you probably saw more of that than I did. I was having an issue with a guy taking offense to my Memphis joke. Oh yeah, what you said something about the crime in Memphis? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. look, I'm all about being proud of where you're from. He, if he wants to defend his hometown, he can, but that doesn't mean you're not you're not correct. He, he's just delusional, and he's... Uh, I'm not giving him any thought anymore. Have you been to Liberty Bowl? Oh, yeah. Man, I grew out up outside Memphis. We used to go to Liberty figured. Bowl all the time. So it, it's just, not in a good good area, isn't it? Oh, heck no. Heck no! It's yeah. one of the worst parts of town. We we thought about going. I was now looking at at it now. I would probably would have gone, but we, I thought it was just going to be burn and slap up. But it's I don't think it is now. Let me let me check. It's not going to be. It's going to be pretty good weather. This is Thursday night that we're recording this, so we're just getting kind of the thirty six hour forecast. But in Starkville, it's only going to be eighty degrees is the high. So I imagine, and that's what it's looking like in Jackson too. So I imagine it's not much hotter than that in Memphis. Oh, it can't be that much different. Might get some uh, wet weather too. We'll have to see. But I'm not going to end up making that trip. We thought about it. Uh, all right. So getting into the meat of the show, going to talk, give you a couple updates first. Um, I've got word from people that would know that Brennan Ruiz is going to be out. Brennan Reeves is going to be out for at least a, a three weeks. 
So don't expect him tomorrow, and that's really unfortunate because I know he's he's kind of an NFL prospect kind of kicker. Any you know, it's hard for a kicker to get drafted or really to get signed at all, but let alone drafted. So I hope that doesn't kind of hurt his prospects. This would be his last year in the program um, unless uh, he decided to come back and get his doctorate. I know he's already got his his undergrad degree. He's working on a, another degree. Makai Polk though is fine. Um, he said that himself in a press conference. Makai Polk did. So he'll he got kind of the breath knocked out of him on that hit against North Carolina State, but he's going to be fine. All right, so we get to talk about the Memphis Tigers. You know, talk about their 2020 year, their their wins and losses, and break down kind of a little bit about their offense and defense last year. Because we're still working on a really small sample size in 2020, you know, we'll, we'll probably be four or five games in before we stop, stop really diving too deep into last year's stats. Um. And then, of course, we'll go over the stats they have accrued in the, over their first two games, and then we'll kind of talk about what they what they look like uh, from a schematic standpoint. So Memphis was eight and three last year, pretty good football team. They had the forty fourth ranked offense and the fifty sixth ranked defense with the hundred and sixth ranked strength of schedule. So let's put that all in perspective. You know, middle of the pack in both metrics, offense and defense. Uh, but with a poor strength of schedule, of course, they're allowed to finish eight and three, or they ended up finishing eight and three, which is unsurprising. They beat Arkansas State, UCF, Temple, USF, Stephen F. Austin, Navy, Houston, and Florida Atlantic. They lost to Tulane, pretty big. They got crushed by Cincinnati, and they lost a very close game to um, Southern Methodist. Their average margin of victory was just under seven points per game. Their average margin of defeat was twenty points per game. So this team's used to winning some close games. A lot of these guys are. Um, when they lose, though, they tend to lose big. I don't know if you could glean too much from that, though. Talking about their offense, um, 308 yards passing, 146 yards rushing per game. They're a lot more balanced this year, though. But last year, they are more of a passing team. They had a really good quarterback in Brady White. They scored 31 points per game, uh, which – is my prediction for what I think State will score this year. I think we'll score about 31 points per game, so funny how that kind of worked out. Uh, they had 31 passing touchdowns and nine rushing touchdowns, and no running back had more than two rushing touchdowns out of those nine. They spread them out, um, but no, they, they, they spread their carries out a lot last year. Last year, as a run, from a running back standpoint, no one guy was really doing the damage. They threw 10 interceptions that had nine fumbles. Um Four running backs last year had 35 rushing attempts or more, which kind of lines up with what I said about the touchdowns. All four of those running backs are back. Only one receiver or running back that had more than 15 touches is not returning this year, and that guy only had 16 catches. So all of their skill prediction position production is back. However, they did lose their QB. They're starting a true freshman. They lost their center, and they lost their left tackle. So they, they are having to replace some pieces on offense. Defense last year uh, was better than most Memphis defenses, believe it or not, in, in recent years. 289 yards passing and the exact same amount of yards that they gave up rushing, they allowed. It's 146 yards rushing. So just under 300 passing, just under 150 rushing. 28 points per game allowed. Uh, they were 20. They had 24 passing touchdowns given up and 13 rushing touchdowns. They uh, produced 20 turnovers on defense and 26 sacks, which is pretty good in an 11-game season. Um, all their leading tacklers are pretty much back. Their leading sack guy from a year ago didn't play against Arkansas State. I haven't seen if he's going to play in this game, but he didn't play in the last game. 
And they had two guys that had three interceptions apiece to lead the team, and both of those guys are back. So we see everybody that, that everything they have coming back, they look a little bit scary. But let's get into what they've done this year so far. Memphis is 2-0. They have the seventh-ranked offense and the 113th-ranked defense. Two extremes. I think both of those are around close to the top 10% in, 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 uh, in uh, top or bottom 10%, I should say, uh, in, in FBS, close to it. Just, just ridiculous. Um, Nichols State and Arkansas State are the teams they beat. I think they beat Nichols State 42-17, to and they lost, they beat Arkansas State 55-50. to uh, so average margin of, of victory is 15 points per game. Offense, this is where they're getting a lot more balanced, and they really, really, really want to run the football this year. All right, But they're a lot more balanced in terms of yards. 341 yards passing, 293 yards rushing per game. So just, un- over, just under 350 and just under 300 for passing and rushing. 48.5 points per game, which is a ton. But again, they've played Nickel State and Arkansas State. They've got six passing and six rushing touchdowns. Again, still very, very balanced in terms of production. Um, no interceptions have been thrown yet, but they have had two fumbles in those two games. The defense, and this is where this is probably the most gaudy numbers in this whole uh, rundown here. This year's defense for Memphis is allowing 491 total yards per game. They're allowing 391 rushing yards, or excuse me, passing yards. And 100 rushing yards, and listen, those 100 rushing yards are coming from, again, an FCS team, an Arkansas State who pretty much runs the air raid. They don't really run the ball, okay? And they're still giving up 100 rushing yards per game and 391 yards passing. 33.5 points per game allowed. They've given up six passing touchdowns and a couple rushing touchdowns. They uh, have uh, forced one interception themselves. They haven't recovered any fumbles, and they've only had two sacks in all those uh, passing attempts. Defended almost 75 or 80 passing attempts and only got two sacks, which is pretty pretty opposite of impressive. Now here's the rundown of what to really expect from Memphis from a more qualitative standpoint outside the numbers. Like I said, one of the best offenses and worst defenses in college football. A lot of people thought that uh, the Arizona, they have an Arizona transfer quarterback and another transfer quarterback from LSU, but it's a true freshman named Seth Hennigan who's gotten all the snaps at quarterback. Hasn't passed a ton. Um, he's thrown 64 passes, and they've rushed rushed 89 times. So that tells you what they really want to do. They want to run the football. Um, he is completing 63%, which for a freshman, that's good. His best, best attribute, though, is his yards per attempt. They are doing a good job at creating big plays, and I think this is kind of inflated. They had an 89-yard passing play last weekend. It's inflated by, by the big plays that are few and far between. But he's averaging 10.5 yards per attempt with no interceptions. Now, Hennigan is not a running threat. He doesn't have any positive rushing yards. This year so far, they've had two running backs that we need to worry about. It's Brandon Thomas. Um, he's got 338 yards and three touchdowns. So that's really, really outstanding. Ten yards per carry. And Rodriguez Clark has 146 yards, one touchdown, and eight yards per carry. He's going to be very motivated. Rodriguez Clark is one of two uh, players on this team that are from Starkville, Mississippi. As a team, Memphis has only given up 6.6, or excuse me, Memphis is rushing for 6.6 yards per rush, which is is really, really good. They also have two absolute weapons in the passing game. Calvin Austin III, he had 40 uh, yards per catch last week. He had six catches. One of them went for almost 90 yards. He's a weapon. Sean Dykes had nine catches for 16 yards apiece. Um, last weekend 
uh, 93% of their receiving yards in that just gaudy, gaudy game against um, the Big 12, old Big 12 type game against Arkansas State were between those two guys. All of their receiving yards, except for like 7%, came from Dykes and Austin. Last week, they were sacked four times. Uh, they gave up six tackles for loss. And like I said, they've only had two sacks all year uh, defensively, but they gave up four just last week. Defensively, they're pretty bad. They gave up 680 yards and 50 points to Arkansas State last year or th- last week. A year ago, Arkansas State was just four and seven, and they kind of run kind of an air raid kind of deal, uh, like we do. They actually had to play their backup quarterback for most of the game. James Blackman uh, threw 19 was 19 for 28 with 306 yards, and Lane Hatcher was 23 for 38. So they both threw the same amount of passes. Uh, for 276 yards. Those completion percentages aren't even that outstanding. I think Hatcher has the better one. Let me do the math real quick. And that's only 60%, and they're still giving up 580 yards passing. Um, this is where that that's kind of going to come to fruition. They gave up a 20-yard passing play. This blows your mind. Lounge, I want you to hear this. Eight receivers had a passing play of 20 or more yards. They had a 20-yard reception or more. Eight receivers. If we can't have big plays against this defense, I don't know what's wrong. Eight receivers had 20-yard passing plays. I mean, that's yards after the catch. That's throwing the deep ball. Uh, that's missing blocks. That's – or, excuse me, missing tackles. Uh, that's making contested catches. But it, it, it's everything. If eight guys can catch a 20-yard pass. Six receivers had at least four catches and at least 35 yards. So they really spread the ball around was Arkansas State. Um, and they were really giving, giving them the business, I think, for the receiving game. Uh, they only uh, Memphis had two sacks. They did have seven tackles for loss last week. They didn't have any turnovers. Players of note, J.J. Russell, who was formerly committed to Mississippi State before he lost that commitment, is a senior, and he's the second-leading tackler on this team. Last X's and O's kind of point I'll give, and this is just something of interest. Lounge Dog, you might find this of interest. I want you to tell me what you think of this. Last week, Memphis kicked off nine times. Seven of those failed to result in a touchback. Oof, I say, so not a strong kicker. So, I mean, as a Mississippi State fan, and I love this about our team, you're licking your chops a little bit. That if they can't boot it, consistently boot it out of the end zone, you got to wonder uh, what we're going to be able to do in the return game. They did kick one out of bounds last week. So they had six returns. They averaged about 26 yards per return. Did Arkansas State. So... Also of note, their kicker missed one field goal and, and was 7 for 8 on extra points, which is why the score is 55. That's actually the exact same uh, the exact same extra point rate that we had the 2016 Egg Bowl uh, with West, with Weston Grays, I think. Is that who the kicker was in 2016? I remember he missed the easy one to lose to South Alabama. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, but he was seven for eight, and that's how we got the score to be fifty-five to twenty, which is the two interstates that go up in north, south, and east and west across the state, which is just hilarious to me. I will never not laugh at that. Looking at all those numbers, lounge, all those trends, what what sticks out to you the most? Just how bad that defense is, and yeah, I expect I expect uh, for us to. 
have finally get some explosive plays. But uh, we'll see. But also, I might see we might see leaks might maybe run a little more. Try to keep their offense on the, on the sideline. So I'm going to look at something here. Let's see how many you talk about explosive plays. I'm going to count up our explosive our explosive plays. I'm going to look at both of our games and just kind of see how many we've got. And we've got we're going to have more than what I say. Let's look here. We've got 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 one, one. We have seven plays of twenty yards or more on the season, which isn't a ton. It's not. A, it's not a few. One of those is a rush. All the rest of those are passes. So it makes me wonder: Are we going to be able to see something similar? Like, are we going to be able to find Jameer Calvin on like a good screen play where he could run after the catch? Um, are we going to be able to hit Johnson and Jaquavis Marks for checkdowns? Um, where they can take it and run, kind of like we saw with Dylan Johnson in the uh, 2000 or the in the NC State game. Excuse me. Are you going to be able to hit Malik Heath down the field? Are you going to be able to uh, find seams for Jaden Wally? Are you going to be able to uh, find Makai Polk on the contested back shoulder throw? You know, for for a good gain. Those, I think the answer is yes. Um, I think even Austin Williams probably have some big plays. He's got a 34 yard reception this year already. Those, I think they're going to have a really bad problem. Covering our receivers. Looking at what I've what I've seen on for Arkansas State, you got to think Arkansas State doesn't have nearly the talent at receiver that we do, right? And you saw how many p- players were able to get open for big plays for Arkansas State. I really think that our receiving core might have one of the best games they've ever had. I'm not sure Will Rogers is going to have to struggle too much um, to pass. Uh, getting into those, let's go ahead and get into like our keys to the game. Memphis really wants to run the ball, okay? Uh, they're a lot like NC State. They have two really good running backs. We're going to have to continue to be physical. And I went and I watched, after our episode Monday, I went and watched the uh, the film study from Matt Wyatt, and the whole premise was physicality. You know, we, we won that game because both lines of scrimmages were just playing harder than NC State's. And NC State's a tough physical team, but they just we just out-muscled them, out-hustled them on the trenches. And we got to continue to do that because Memphis, like I said, they're really going to want to run the ball. They, 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 they rush a lot more than they pass and more balanced than they were a year ago when it was almost entirely just a passing game kind of deal, uh, except for a few big plays in the running game. But they're, they're, they're going to want those aspects of their offense to complement each other, but with a, they're going to take as much pressure off a young quarterback as they can. Speaking of that young quarterback, he's really benefited from having a great run game and some really good pass catchers, and by some I mean two. He's got two really good guys. Zach Arnett, this is kind of his bread and butter, but he's going to need to confuse uh, that young quarterback. This is his third ever start, his first start against a Power 5 team. Um, he's 18 years old. He's going to be, I think with our odd fronts, he's going to be very confused, and that's going to be good for Mississippi State. I think you're going to have – you want to try to limit the big play – but I'm not going to name that as a key because that's kind of what happens with our defense, and Memphis offense is great at producing the big play. So I think it might be a weakness. What I think you're going to have to do is if they get down, do what you've done all year when you when they get into the red zone. If they get down to the 20 or the 15-yard line where you can't really have a big play, you know, because there's only so much space you can cover, that's where you have to be bend and don't break, especially because I think their kicker is a little suspect. 
if you're forcing them to make 45 yard kicks, uh, we we could we could probably win that game just by having a field goal contest. And I say that, and we're going to have our backup kicker in the game. Use your best players uh, to make someone other than their two studs beat you. And by those, I mean the receiver Calvin Austin, the tight end Sean Dykes. You know, I don't know if it's Aaron Brule or one of your safeties covering the tight end um, or any other linebacker. I know it's probably Martin Emerson and Emmanuel Forbes covering Calvin Austin. But take those guys out of the game and if Memphis and make Memphis beat you with somebody else because they absolutely feasted. I think over almost 300 yards receiving for Austin and over 150 yards receiving for Dykes last week. Don't let those guys beat you. and I, 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 I doubt they're going to be able to find much production in the, in the passing game. On offense, there's really nothing you can say. You just have to get going. I mean, if you can't put up yards and points against this team, um, stuff's going to happen. I think you had a pretty good game last week against a tough defense. For two quarters against Louisiana Tech, you looked like uh, Pat Mahomes out there and the Chiefs. I mean, goodness, you you had uh, your first drive was bad. Then you had your your second, third, and your last three drives were almost perfect. Uh, continue that kind of uh, situation, and it's going to be a good day. The only key, really, for the offense is you can't help them. Okay, they are susceptible to the pass. They don't have a pat, a good pass rush. But if you're going to help them with turnovers, which they haven't gotten many of, or penalties. That's the only way that I see them making this a really competitive game or, or pulling off the upset. I think the last key lounge dog, and I hope you guys, all of y'all at home can help us, is let, what if we can outfan Memphis at the Liberty Bowl? I know Mississippi State has a huge presence up there. I know that you're passionate and loud. I know that we've gone to Oxford for some other sporting events, not football, of course, and outfan guys before. I know we've outfanned teams in bowl games and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if we'll have more numbers there than Memphis, but but we could have 30 or 40% and really change the direction of that uh, crowd momentum, don't you think? Oh, easily. I, I'd, like, I'd be very interested to see. I can't wait to watch that one on TV and see what, what the vibe looks like. I went, Again, I almost made the trip. I've got a lot of friends making the trip, so they'll kind of tell me what it is. And look, I'm not saying to sneak a cowbell into the Liberty Bowl, but I'm not saying, I'm not saying that. You know, I'm not, I would never tell you to hide a cowbell. I would never, ever encourage you to hide a cowbell into the stadium and get it into the stadium, the not even the home stadium, but the just rented stadium, I guess, of the team that trolled us and our cowbell usage. I would never suggest such a thing. Wink, wink, and all that. All right, today we have a new segment that we're going to do every Friday, and at that, I'm going to let Lounge take it away because this is all you. Well, if you like making money, I, I'm the guy to listen to. We call our new segment called Free Money. Free Money. Hey, I'm gonna say about it. Hey, we're here to help the community, help our local generals. You can call this charity. That's pretty much what this is. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I'm gonna, every week, every Friday, I'm going to give you three easy, winnable bets in which you, you can't lose. So, here are my three. Now, let me let me put a disclaimer. If this doesn't work out, it's all him. Okay, <laughs> I, I did nothing. I, I know nothing. I'm, I'm I'm shutting my ears. I'm not even listening right now. <laughs> Listen, 
Well, I'm going to tell you, it's going to work. The first one is the over in Army and Yukon. The over is 48 and a half. Army averages about 40, a little over 40 points a game. And I think Yukon will be able to add a touchdown or two maybe here and there. So take the over in Yukon and Army at 48 and a half. Where's that game happening? It's at Army. Okay. So really what you're betting on, if UConn scores at all, you're going to probably hit the over. Yes. Because we can't trust UConn to hold Army below their scoring average. I, mean, oh, I sure ain't taking the money line. Oh, no. Uh, the next one is Michigan State plus six against Miami. I was listening earlier, Manny Diaz, he has a horrible record against the spread. And the way I see Michigan play compared to Miami, that, that, that number just seems too large. Wait, wait, wait. Michigan State isn't favored? Nope. Oh, wow. You found a good one there. I would have thought – I know that game's at Miami, but I would have thought Michigan State would have been favored. I would have thought so too, but nope. Michigan State plus six. And then I took Alabama minus 14 and a half against Florida. So that one's gone up a bit. So you think they're going to beat Florida by more than 14 and a half? Yes, I do. Why is that? I don't trust Emory Jones against a competent defense. And I think I think this is a game where they'll kind of eat, try to ease Bryce Young into a, like a hostile environment. I think in Alabama kind of goes to the ground and pounds. I think Bryce Young also steps up. At 14 and a half, I, just, I don't trust that Florida defense. I mean, they gave up 20 points. The South Florida got shut out by NC State. That's a good point. They really kind of faded down the stretch in that game. All right. Well, there's your first ever free money segment. We're going to do that every week. And like I said, you just count it as charity, right, Lounge? Absolutely. It's his. It's him doing his part. Okay. So now, as per usual, we are going to pick the SEC slate of games. This is the probably the last week that there won't be – more than there won't be two or less conference games. I think from now on there'll probably be more than a couple. Um, there's only two this week that I see here. There's only one last week. But first game on the list is New Mexico at Texas A&M. Give me A&M. Must I hate to admit it? Yeah, I don't think there's any ch- chance that uh, the New Mexico State. Let's see. That's not the Lobo. It's New Mexico. It's not the Lobos. It's the New Mexico State's the Lobos. Yeah, New Mexico State's the Lobos. What's New Mexico? It's like a, they're the Aggies too, I think. I think they are. Yeah, they're the Aggies. So it's the Aggies. Ver- I got the Aggies in that game. Good choice. <laughs> um, UT Chattanooga at Kentucky. Kentucky. I'm definitely rooting for Chattanooga there, but I have to agree. 
Southeast Missouri State at Mizzou. Mizzou. Yeah, no doubt there. Tennessee Tech at Tennessee. The Vols. Yes, sir. You've already called it Bama at Florida. I'm going to have to go with Bama as well. Georgia Southern at Arkansas. Give me the Hogs. All right, now we're going to get into a little bit more interesting games. South Carolina at Georgia. Well, that's it's not really interesting. This is going to be a bloodbath. Give me bad. Georgia. The best game of the weekend is undoubtedly Auburn at Penn State. Give me Penn State. Oh, man, I thought we'd have something different. I'm going to go with Penn State as well. We have next Central Michigan at LSU. LSU. Any chance that game's close? No, define close. What's the spread on that one? I know you know. I think it's like minus 19. Yep. I think I think the Chippewa is covered. I ain't touching that game. <laughs> we got a very another really interesting one. Ole Miss versus Tulane at, at in Oxford. Give me Ole Miss, but Ole Miss doesn't cover. Let me let me see. What's the spread on that one? It's like 14, 14 and a half. I'm I I'm surprised it's only fourteen. I thought they'd try to give um, Ole Miss a little bit of a push. I like that over-under at 76. Wow. But I feel like – I take the under in that because I feel like cause you got to score. You got to score about every every time you get the ball. Yeah, I think – I think they set the spread a little bit narrower than I would have set it, but I think Tulane can really perform. I know they're feeling very confident. Oh, yeah. I mean, All right. They- Oh, say so what? I was like, I mean, heck, yeah. I mean, they took Oklahoma to the wire. Oh, yeah. All right, now we have, this is a great one, Stanford at Vandy. Give me Stanford. Stanford looked impressive last week. They had a really bad first week. That might be my, if I could add a fourth one to my free pick, take Stanford. What's the spread? Oh, gosh, I had to look it up. I can't think off the top of my head. Can you bet? I don't even – I don't gamble. I don't know. Can you bet on just outright uh, un, not considering the spread and just not make as much? Man, that's what the money line is for. I have to say, I don't think you can You can just say yes or no. The spread's only 12. Oh, Stanford's winning by more than that. You might – we got a bonus free money right there. And now, and I, I got to explain one more time. The reason we picked the score lounge is let's let's be hypothetical. Let's say we win tomorrow. How many games are you going to pick us to lose the rest of the year? Yeah. I mean, look at everybody else in the, in the West. Most of them, besides Bama, looks beatable. If you, if I had to call it right now, because I'm a little bit of a homer. Two. I would call two games as a loss right now. And I think you're probably close to the same. Depending on if if you had to call the games. One, two, or three, right? So since that's so similar, 
there's not going to be any variability. I think calling the score makes it more fun. It gives us another data point. It gives us another thing to consider because we're going to be the same. We're the, we're the same every single week. Uh, or excuse me, we're the same every single game this week. There's no points are going to be found this week except on this, right? Yeah. This makes it better. So somebody can, is going to get a point unless we're both the same distance away, which would be incredible. So you tell me what you think they're going to score. Give me, give me thirty-one seventeen. Thirty-one seventeen. I'm going to go forty-five to twenty. Sound good? That works. And the thing with the score, though, you have to be integrity. You have to have some integrity about it. I can't just say thirty-two to eighteen because you said thirty-one to seventeen. Like that. Just try to give it a fair shake, you know. But we're good there. All right, so that is it for tonight. Uh, pretty good, efficient uh, show here again. I can't believe we kept that under 35 minutes, but we did. Remember that if you have a receipt, if you know what a receipt is, okay, if you have a receipt, send it to Lounge Dog and keep up with Lounge on Twitter. He is Lounge, just like the English word, Lounge underscore D-A-W-G on Twitter. Interact with him for everything you need on the show. Uh, send direct messages. I got a couple comments about it this week. I'm, Lounge did too. Um, correcting us because somebody pointed out, I think the Walking Bully account pointed out, the last home Power 5 win for Mississippi State was in 1999 against Oklahoma State. I thought we played Oklahoma State on, at a neutral site, quote-unquote neutral site in Oklahoma, and that was it. I didn't think, I forgot we played them at home too. Well, we, we played them on neutral site like in, was in Texas. 13 down in Houston. Oh, right. That, that was in, in Texas. I think we did a home-and-home home in the 90s, and we did a – in 13, we opened the season with them at a neutral site. That's what yeah, it was. Yeah, that, that was the most horrendous watching game ever. We had like six injuries. <laughs> Whopping three points. Yep. All right. So that's it for this uh, episode. Like I said, find Lounge on Twitter. Uh, we will be back on Monday – talking about um, just the game and breaking it down, what happened. I'm going to be positive. Lounge is going to be negative, and hopefully for the first time I will have the advantage because we'll have a positive outcome, and then I will be able to beat Lounge in that argument, you know, that that devil's advocacy, that kind of fake argument that we have every week now. All right. With that being said, do you have anything to add? Just get ready for the wake-up call Saturday morning. Get ready for the chair on the dog. Wake-up call is coming. As always, swing your sword and hail state.